This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. This episode of the Productivityist Podcast is brought to you by Transpose. Your solutions, your way. Transpose has become an essential part of my productivity workflow and if you give it a go, I bet it'll become part of yours too. Head over to productivityist.com slash transpose to give it a test spin and stick around because I'll talk a bit more about it during the podcast. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome to the Productivityist Podcast. I am the founder of Productivityist, productivity strategist, and host of the show, Mike Vardy. And this week on the show, we have Graham Alcott, the founder of Think Productive and the original Productivity Ninja. We talk about the nine characteristics that you need to become a Productivity Ninja, and I had a great time talking with Graham. We're actually going to talk a little bit more uh, in the future, and I'll get to that after the interview here. But uh, I just wanted to share with you uh, this this really cool conversation that we had uh and and he's got a british accent which is really awesome so uh it's great to talk to somebody from the uk i don't get to talk to people across the pond very much when it comes to this kind of thing and i've been looking forward to talk to graham for a really long time and now you get to hear our conversation here is me and graham alcott of think productive and the original productivity ninja here on the productivityist podcast I'd like to welcome Graham Alcott to the Productivityist Podcast. Graham, thanks for joining me this week. Hi, Mike. Good to be here. So you are the Productivity Ninja. Well, you're not really the Productivity Ninja because there's lots of them out there now, right? You've got like a whole clan, correct? Yeah. So we have uh, Productivity Ninjas who are on their little mission around the world. So we have um, basically licenses in Canada, the US, uh, Australia, and Western Europe. And then I'm based in the UK with our team here. So yeah, we're spreading the, the productivity mes- message around the world. And our, our main um, focus is B2B. So we go into companies and we work with with the teams there and, you know, help them to implement a lot of this productivity stuff, but like actually at their desks and in the, you know, the, the real kind of cut and thrust of what they do. Let's talk about the characteristics that you have to have for uh, being a productivity ninja, because there are there are nine of them that you've listed. And I'm, I'm alluding to a post that you, a guest post that you did. I know you talk about this in your book as well, but uh, over at uh, well, I'll share the link. I, I I've got it here, so I will I will I, will, <laughs> cool. I can't remember the link right now. I put it in Evernote, and I'm looking at it. So uh, first off, <laughs> the first is a Zen like calm. I find this to be interesting that you make this the first one. Yeah, you know, like like I get it, maybe because of the whole Zen component of it. But most people, when they're trying to become more productive, don't have that the last thing they can think about is being calm. They'd rather get the stuff taken care of and then focus on calm. Why Why have you listed this first in, in, in the nine characteristics? Uh, because I think everything else needs to, uh, needs to work towards Zen-like calm, um, first of all. But I think also you have to... Zen-like calm is not like a once everything is done, I will be calm. Like right. for me, it's like uh, making sure that you manage your attention to be in the moment and present on whatever it is that you're doing. So... For me, like Zen-like calm is paying attention in meetings and not being on your phone. 
Zen Like Calm is working on one thing at a time and being really present in, in the moment on that one thing. Uh, you know, so I think there's so much more to it for me than just like trying to get everything done first and then, oh, then I'll be calm. You know, and it's always like a week on Friday, everything will be fine. And guess what? <laughs> you know, a week on Thursday, there will be something else that will come along and hit you. And, you know, you have to be prepared for that. So I think I think if you if you are going through your life uh, with that sense of like once I've cleared everything up, then I'm allowed to be Zen like and calm and in the moment, then I think you're you know, you're playing the wrong game in many ways. Um, so that's kind of why it's first. Um, and, you know, I would kind of ask this question to people, which is, um, you know, if if you ask that question of like, uh, what's the time or what are the instances that you would describe where you're most productive? Um, if you're answering that question with when I'm on a deadline, what you're really saying is the times when I get into a state of flow and into a state of being Zen-like and calm. So it's like the deadline forces you to focus only on that one thing. And, you know, my argument is, it's about trying to find ways that don't have the stress of the deadline that will force you into that zen-like calm, right? right? So it's, you know, that's partly about capturing and collecting and getting all that stuff off your mind and all that stuff that, um, you know, is very common uh, productivity advice. But it's also partly about having a, a mindset of what else, you know, am I allowing to seep into my attention, whether that's phone notifications, whether that's thoughts that you're having, whether that's distractions of what's going on outside. And, you know, it's really for me about, training your mind to to really focus on the here and now and and what's in front of you. Now, the next one, number 2, I I I think we all struggle with. Uh I I imagine you do too still from time to time is the ruthlessness saying no oh, to as many. Yeah, it's yeah. so I mean only, you know, again, it, you you can only I think the only way you can figure out whether you're overwhelmed or not and and the calendar is definitely an indicator of this like in terms of distractions and all that stuff. But I think you have to have, and this ties into number three is is weapon savvy, is you have to have some kind of, like you, you call it a second brain, like that app or paper planner or something that shows you everything that you've committed to so that yeah. you can recognize, holy crap, I, I have too much here. So talk about ruthlessness and then let's go into weapon savvy. Like what, how do you help people become more ruthless with their, 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 you know, their attention? So I think there's kind of two elements to saying no more often and being more ruthless. Um, one is, as you just alluded to there, the idea of it's much easier to do that once you have a nice, objective, data-driven analysis of what's on your plate, right? Mm-hmm. So if you've got a good project list, if you've got a good list of actions and you've got a you know, good calendar and all those kind of things, it's much, much easier you know, when your boss comes up to you in the office and says, hey, there's this this new thing I want you to do by Friday. Can you drop everything and do it? And by the way, at that moment, everyone thinks I'd love to be the superhero here. So it becomes this sort of uh, myth that everyone tries to play up to, which is, yeah, yeah, I can definitely do it. And, you know, you want to believe it and they want to believe it. So I think if you have that objective data driven analysis in front of you of like, here are my other projects, here's what's going to suffer. It's much easier to say no to the new thing, you know, rather than if you're just reacting to email and you're reacting to lots of other stuff that's going on and then someone gives you a new thing and it feels like well i i don't actually know what's most important in my life so i'm going to take this new thing as being you know loudest latest must be the one you know sort of thing so i think that's the first aspect i think the second aspect to saying no more is a much trickier thing which is the sort of emotional um aspect of letting people down and this is like certainly something that i struggle with a lot is like you know i really want to uh, do a good job for people to please people to be the person who can help and mm. you know I, and so i think sometimes you know recognizing that there is an emotional cost to 
saying no to stuff that's still good, but not the, the greatest thing you should be doing, right? So it's like, it's very easy to say no to stuff that you think is pointless and much harder, I think, emotionally to say no to stuff that might let someone down, but also might actually be really worth me doing for you or really, you know, really might be a good thing for you to have, but I don't have the time or the energy or the attention right now to, to be able to give you that, you know? So I think that's the harder bit. Um, you know, I think it's very easy to get under control in terms of lists, but like, even with that, I think there's still that kind of emotional, um, challenge to overcome. Now, when I look at weapons, I think of a ninja and I think of the turtles immediately. I don't know why, (laughs) but I think about their weapons and they each only had one. Yeah. Uh, other ninjas that I've seen on the big screen, not in real life, obviously, but on the big screen, (laughs) I've had maybe a few, a sword, you know, or katana, uh, ninja stars, blow darts, those kind of things. When you talk about being weapon savvy, and this I think is a nice, you know, kind of way to look at it, is that the ninja has very few weapons but uses them yeah. very effectively. Yeah. Is that that's kind of what you're getting at, right? Completely. And I think for me this is uh something that I I really struggle with when I read a lot of other productivity, you know, kind of blogs and books and all that stuff, is like where it gets so obsessed with the technology. And and also here's the thing obsessed with moving from one to-do list app to the next as if that's going to be the holy grail and like that stuff really bugs me so for example i've for you know i i've been running my business think productive for uh just over seven years now and in that time i've i've had three different ways that i set up my second brain i was on outlook tasks microsoft outlook tasks which was a very um (laughs) definite decision because most of the people i deal with and certainly then when I was running the training, they're all Microsoft Outlook people. So yeah. I decided to just be on the same tech as them and make that work really well. And actually, I think Microsoft Outlook tasks, if you wait, if you set it up in, in certain ways, is a great list manager, you know, and it's like one of those things that it's so untrendy to say that. And it's like, you know, uh, people are really down on Microsoft. I then moved to Toodle Do. And yep. then I'm now on Nosby and um, Nosby, I'd always kind of looked at as being like, yeah, like those guys are doing a really good job. And I, you know, re- really liked Michael, uh, but I wasn't really that uh, sort of keen on moving because I'm never keen on moving. But I, the move was kind of forced on me, which was when I passed my iPad around at a workshop I was doing in Melbourne in Australia. And I said, OK, this is so you can see how I set up my my toodle do and, you know, have a look at this and have a look at that. And uh, whatever you do, don't press that button at the bottom. And of course, someone did and just wiped all of my data from there, which is like, oh my like goodness. the biggest. Yeah. So imagine that, right? Like it was the biggest sort of stress of a day that I could have had. But then I decided when I rebuilt it, it's like, OK, that's now an opportunity to shift as, uh, again. And I've moved to Nosby and um, yeah, really been really happy using Nosby ever since. But I've had three task managers in, you know, seven, eight, nine years, something like that. And, you know, whenever someone comes to me and they say, what's the app to download? I say, right, dude, ask a different question. You know, like, I just think it's, you know, we've really got to get uh, into the psychology first and really think about like, uh, you know, how we're using technology and being savvy around that rather than let's find a different weapon every 10 minutes, you know? Well, and for me, when someone asks me that, I say, I don't know. And they look at me <laughs> yeah. like, they're like, what do you mean you don't know? You're yeah. a guy who like, I, I, and when I think back now, I've probably used three as well. I mean, I've used, yeah. I've used OmniFocus. I've used um, uh, Asana and I've used Todoist and I've stuck with, I still use Asana and Todoist, Asana for productivity stuff and Todoist for my personal and Non- oh, interesting. Okay. Because I like the interface of Todoist, but it doesn't yeah. scale as well for large teams. 
And mm. so I like the fact that Asana has that. I've, I love what Michael's done with Nosby. I just haven't. Again, the, the thing is, and, and you're exactly right, like there are so many great tools out there that you could you can keep tinkering and moving and moving. But I'd rather build stuff than, than buy new tools and have nothing yeah, to build, yeah. right? You know, I mean, uh, so, I mean, Trello is, is a great tool for – pick a tool and stick with it. You know, like yeah. find one because they're always going to be – I mean – the the biggest problem, and we talked about this before we started recording, is people say the app will solve the problem, and it's not. I mean, you know, again, if a ninja has a a sword, like all these weapons, but has no way of being going to number two, number four, stealthy, or or can and you know has any way of of kind of disconnecting or being able to do stuff without the weapon, then they're yeah. pretty much useless. Like they're not going to be able to do anything. So, I mean, I think you have to have that approach in mind before the apps. Now, let's talk about stealth and camouflage. So you say, and I think this is a really important point that not a lot of people do. And I think now in your workshops, do you do this? Do you say, okay, we're going to get into the weeds and spend time at your desks. And then before we wrap up, we're just going to remove ourselves from the chaos and just talk more uh, philosophical or like, how do you do that to kind of encourage number four to happen uh, with people? Yeah, like we'll often do that on the day, right? So we'll spend some time at people's desks. We'll spend time then. Um, I, you know, my my sort of joke around this is like a lot of people who work in open plan offices. Um, what they don't realize is if you could design the least productive environment in which to do work, it would look something like your open plan office, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I often joke that you know what's more productive than being at your desk is being in the cupboard at the end of the corridor or you know sat on the stairs with your laptop or sat in the coffee shop around the corner just with an ipad and a pen and paper or whatever you need to have in front of you so i think for me again it comes back to that sort of sense of uh, prioritizing thinking and for me uh you know when you look at how so many jobs right now people are talking about how uh you know these things are going to be automated uh, the things that robots ca- can do and the robots and the things that robots can't do. Um, what's interesting about that is it always comes down to where do I add value? And it always comes down to within that thinking, right? So right. thinking is your work. And for so many people, they have this opposite psychology around that, which is I don't have time to do the thinking. Thinking is a luxury. Uh, thinking is something I'll do a week next Friday. And it's that sort of mindset. So a lot of what we do is about saying, no, thinking actually is the work. Um, of course, there's a little bit of thinking involved in emails and so on and so forth, but you need to have, you know, much more higher level conversations with yourself about what your projects are looking like and what your team need to do and all those kind of things. So, you know, for me, stealth and camouflage is a means to an end. It's about saying, um, let me reclaim that time and be very, uh, you know, uh, uh, on some level, perhaps a little bit cunning about that. So I worked with someone in London who uh, she would put in her diary thinking time or planning time. And her team or her boss would just book over that in her calendar and say, well, you can do your thinking and planning another time. This is important. And, you know, almost making the assumption that her thinking and planning was not important. So I, I encouraged her to uh, to write in her in her diary, Project Magenta. And so what that meant was it was like an hour where she could be out of the office. And of course, no one else knew what Project Magenta was. Mm-hmm. And they were too embarrassed to ask. Yeah. So they just left her alone and she had she got her thinking <laughs> time around the corner that like that. So it's one of those things where I think if you, you know, just because you want to prioritize thinking, you also need to make sure that um you've got the environment around you to make that happen and often it's the pressures of team and the you know the the, the pressures of the rest of the organization that that stop that from happening. So, you know, from my point of view, if you need to uh, put a cheeky 
uh, hour in your calendar and make it look like you're at some very important meeting. And actually, the, the very important meeting is just you and a piece of paper and a pen. Uh, for me, that's stealth and camouflage. And it's really about like, you know, giving people the autonomy and the empowerment to, to reclaim thinking as a as a good thing to do, you know. Meal planning is important because it prevents us from being a disappointed wreck when dinner time comes around and we have no clue what to make or even if we have the ingredients to make the meal. It's a time and a money saver, but most importantly, it frees up valuable brain space. Creating a meal plan prepares us for the week to come and gives us peace of mind that we're organized and can feed ourselves and our family. That's why I do it and that's why Plan to Eat helps me do it. Your subscription includes access to the Plan to Eat website and fully featured mobile apps on iOS and Android. And Plan to Eat gives you the tools to clip and organize recipes from any website, the ones your family loves and that fit your dietary preferences and needs. And you can create a meal plan around your schedule. Then what happens is the Plan to Eat software automatically creates an organized shopping list based on your plan. So sign up for your free trial at plantoeat.com slash timecrafting. That's plantoeat.com forward slash timecrafting. The coupon will be automatically applied to your account and can be used when you're ready to subscribe. It's valid for new customers only. Give Plan to Eat a try today. All right, we're halfway through the characteristics of what it takes to be a productivity ninja, and I want to share with you now a word from our sponsor who will help you deliver and change and manage and track your information much better. It's going to change the game for that. Uh, and this is Transpose. Transpose helps you get rid of the messy spreadsheets, notes, files, and databases. You're going to have so much more business solutions in just minutes. Uh, it's, it's a great tool. Uh, if you want to do things like your weekly review and, and do reviews like we talked about or checklists, um, things like that, Transpose is ideal for that. Uh, there are so many different ways. If you go to their website, again, productivityist.com slash transpose, you'll see that that one of their graphics, and it's really quite interesting, is that there's a, just a huge mess of things. You've got your product, product management tool, you've got your storage, spreadsheets, notebooks, CRMs, Kanban, online, for everything is all over the place. With transpose, they're nicely and neatly unified. Plus, there are actually a ton of solutions that are built by the community that you can call upon. So you don't even have to invent the wheel every single time. Uh, they, they talk about the different views that you have. So you have different views that allow you to look at project management and workflows differently. There's Kanban view, which is very helpful for people who are maybe used to using Trello or something like that, or want to use Trello for their task management app and want to use Kanban view for, say, project management, which is one of the things we've done here at Productivityist. Uh, calendar view. There's table view, and then there's analytics. You can actually look at analytics, which is really, really cool. And then there's a whole academy if you want to learn how to use Transpose, just go to academy.transpose.com. You can learn how to use it. Uh, they've really put a lot of thought into, into this into this application. And I'm a big fan. Uh, there, there's relational databases because that's what it is. It's, everything is, with linked records, you can have relational databases, which is awesome. You have contacts. You can use CRM stuff. You can connect to Google. To, there's so much here and the nice thing about transpose is you can ease into it you don't have to use all the features at once you can start small and build from there now there are different pricing options for this there is the free basic model of transpose which gives you 10 solutions up to two gigabytes of storage two collaborations per solution and export records to csv that's free but if you go with prime either annually or monthly uh, you can you can have so much more if you pay annually you're going to get all the benefits of prime monthly which are unlimited 
public and private solutions, unlimited storage, unlimited collaborators, white-labeled web forms and solutions, which is something I'm going to be really looking at more, white-labeled PDFs and reports, third-party business integrations, and then you can export records, not just to CSV, but Excel and PDF. If you pay monthly, it's $14.99. But if you pay, if you pay annually, it's only going to be $12.49 a month, and you get two months free. You get an exclusive membership card. You get access to Transpose Meetups so you can meet with other people using Transpose. And you get a one-hour consultation and setup call. Really a no-brainer here. Uh, Transpose is a fantastic tool, and I encourage all of you to give it a try. Head over to productivityist.com slash transpose and check out what Transpose has to offer. Transpose, what data management should be. I'd like to thank Transpose for sponsoring this episode of the Productivityist Podcast. And now, let's get back to the show. All right, now we're on to number five, and we got we got about fifteen minutes, not even, to get through the last four, the last <laughs> five of them. So we're going to go a little bit unorthodox. I'll talk quickly with unorthodox. Uh, when it comes to number five, which is unorthodox, uh, I, I love this because a lot of people say that this is the way that we we have to you know we have to do things. We have to have a, a to do list, and we just go checkbox by checkbox by checkbox. You and I both probably preach the same kind of thing. Like why? Why would you do it the same way that somebody else does if it doesn't work for you? And I think productivity right. productivity needs to be personal. And it I think that's where which is odd because that shouldn't be unorthodox, but it is. Do you know what I mean? Oh, completely. Yeah. And I, I also think this happens at team and organizational level as well, where, you know, if you're if you're in the marketing department of a car company, uh, you look at the other car companies and see what they're doing, right? And it's like for me, it's it's also about trying to take inspiration from really unusual places as well and i think there's this like you were talking about before this idea of seeing opportunities to talk about productivity and everything whether you're watching films or whatever and i think sometimes you know the most unusual books that i read are the ones that bring me back to a different way of doing my work in a better way do you know what i mean and yeah i think sometimes it's like trying to find those those little hidden gems in unusual places is is i think a it's like it, it pushes you on because it makes you think creatively about different things but B, it's kind of fun, you know. So yeah. I did a, I did a whole bunch of experiments a couple of years ago where one of them was whenever I was procrastinating, I had to make the decision by the throw of a dice. So I had to say, okay, so I'm going to throw odds or evens, or I had to make up two different options or three different options or six different options, and just that idea of let let me not think about the two assumptions I would usually come up with, but let me think about four others or let me think about two other ways of doing this. I think is it's really powerful because. So much of our thinking just gets entrenched in like, how do we do things last week? How does our colleague do this? And, you know, being able to to sort of change that and twist it slightly. Um, I, I've just found that a really powerful tool for me personally. I know that. Yeah, it's 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 pretty amazing. And most of the books I've been reading lately don't just talk about the way things are done. They talk about, well, if it doesn't work this way for you, try this or try this yeah. or try this. So they give you like, and you may not try any of those ways, but ultimately it gets the mind going to say, well, they're giving me a bunch of options. So what if I take all of these and kind of Frankenstein it and make it my own? And I think that that's, that's really key. And, and it also by making it personal, you can be more agile, which is number six, agility. Like you yeah. need to be able to be yeah. nimble. And, and flexible because the problem is, is there's so many tools out there that are so rigid that it's very difficult for you to get great work done when there's so much rigidity around it, right? Yeah, completely. And, you know, for me, that's again, comes back to why it's so important to have the second brain set up well and why it's so important to react. And I think, you know, if you read stuff like um, Stephen Covey's Seven Habits, right? So that book was written where uh, information input came at 
you know, nine o'clock in the morning yeah. when you first clocked on in your office and you have six pieces of paper in your pigeonhole and that's your, those are your letters for the day. Yeah. And then you plan your day. And, you know, of course we live in this kind of constant age of, of, you know, constant information input these days. And I, so I think agility becomes for me, like on one level, like it's the, the micro level of that is it's how we need to structure our day. And then on a sort of bigger level, I kind of think about this in a kind of career sense as well, in a, a, a bigger sense, which is that like you have to have times where you have that recovery built in or the, the thinking built in to allow you to then be reacting to stuff next Monday and the Monday after. And, you know, if you're constantly in that kind of sense of of just reacting to stuff and just going faster on the hamster wheel, it actually gets more and it just gets harder and harder as time goes on to be agile. So right. you kind of have to have that recovery built in you know, in order to to give yourself that catch up time to then be able to react again the following week. Do you see what I mean? Well, and you've seen like Covey's team built and they've got the five questions book out now. Yeah. So that, yeah, that, yeah. And David Allen getting things done. I mean, he had to revise it for the new, because the, it's, it's different. Both those books were written when input levels were lower. Now, I mean, the arguments have been, well, you just, the management of them still doesn't need to change, but it's that much more difficult to do because it's assaulting your senses so much more often now. I think yeah, that that's, yeah. that's, that's the problem. And that, that leads to number seven, which is being mindful, mindfulness. Because with all of these things that are pulling and pushing at us, it's very difficult to stop. And that's the only way I think you can be mindful, right? Completely. And so, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. And I think there are so many things that, you know, and, and like you're saying with, with Kobe there, if he was writing that book now, there would be things in there that would be really different. And obviously David Allen's updated getting things done with a, a sort of similar view. But I think, you know, just the volume that we're dealing with makes, and I think this is only going to get worse. It's going to make yeah. it harder and harder so, so, to spend so, an hour being mindful. Social and, media social media is doing it more and more and more. Like you have to be constantly present. But the problem is if you're constantly present with other people, you can't be present with yourself. Totally. And I've, yeah, I've, you know, I've experimented with different things over, over the years. As I know you have. Um, so I'm off Facebook right now and very, very happy uh, to not be on Facebook. <laughs> I've been off it for about three months. And um, I originally decided it and it was actually more because I was just getting really annoyed by all the news and politics and everything yeah. I was reading I was just it was making me more and more annoyed a lot, and, of, a lot of soapboxing a lot of soapboxing yeah 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 and um, the other thing that really gets me about Facebook and Twitter to some extent is like when somebody dies everybody almost has to be like the prime minister or president of their own life and sort of walk out the steps of the White House and give their personal little speech about yeah. like that but, and it's just like oh please you know you, you weren't a big fan of so and so so yeah, so I think so for me, I think um, a, a very transformative experience was actually when I wrote this book, when I wrote How to Be a Productivity Ninja, it was like on my list every week as a major project. And, you know, it was like write first chapter or write first bit of book or whatever it wasn't happening. And I ended up booking uh, some tickets and, and basically uh, finding a, a beach hut in Sri Lanka, um, which were, basically had no Wi-Fi. I had this cheap little Chinese mobile phone where... If I wanted to send a text message and write the letter C, I had to push the button three times. Remember those, you know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so, I remember so those. It was like I had no smartphone. I had no internet connection. And for three weeks, you know, I was I basically did two things. I I wrote How to Be a Productivity Ninja, the first draft. And I went and hung out with a Buddhist monk down the road who taught me mindfulness and meditation. And a lot of that came through, uh, you know, in the first draft of the book because of that. And it felt very risky, you know, back in 2011, talking about mindfulness and reclaiming your attention 
as something that was related to productivity and something that particularly with, you know, my audience is, is generally big businesses, right? Like it kind of felt a bit wacko and a bit hippie and something that I couldn't necessarily share with businesses. And I look at it now in 2016 and it's like every business is signing up for mindfulness stuff. And it's like, I think, you know, partly people look at it as this kind of miracle cure, which is a, a problem in itself. But like, it feels to me like that's that's a very important conversation that we need to keep having as the velocity increases and and also our pressure to be online and connected increases as well. Well, I mean, uh, I'm going to recommend to people if you if you think that you can't take time to meditate or be more mindful, get Headspace. Like the oh, ad, totally. Headspace yeah, is, yeah. is great. Uh, the, t- the Take 10 meditation. I mean, I literally, the first time I did one, uh, I finished meditate, like I finished it. And um, who's the guy that does it? Andy. Uh, I'll put Andy Cuddy Phelps. Uh, yes, right. Yep. He, his voice is really great. British accent yeah. too, which helps, I think. You, you're partial to that, I would imagine. <laughs> but also, like I so literally... you think that's exotic. I just think he's like from just, down the just road. Just a dude down the road. <laughs> uh, but for me, it was just like literally at the end, I felt refreshed. I almost, yeah. bro- I almost broke down in tears, to be honest, mm. because I just felt like all the tension had gone. And so if you have time, and you do, you just got to make time. It just yeah. like Headspace literally takes, I think it's a 10 minute, time span yeah so there's a thing on there which is free called take 10 and then there's like a paid for bit and uh, we've actually been using um take 10 in the think productive office so our our kind of admin team uh down here in brighton we we do that we do a huddle at 10 30 and then we follow up with with the 10 minute take 10 and it's like you know it really for me personally it's like it's a it's a great start to the day to kind of have that that reminder to be present, not just for that 10 minutes, but then for the rest of the day as well. You know? Yeah, it does carry over for sure. Now, uh, speaking of carrying over, you want to make sure that you prepare. That's the number eight option. Before we wrap up, we've got only a few minutes left. Being prepared. Now, when do you prepare for the next day? Do you prepare? Like, when do you prepare in general? So let's talk about preparation really quickly. Uh, we'll talk, we'll talk for, for most people. They want to just make, let's go to the day. Do you prepare yeah. the day before? Or do you prepare the, the morning of? Oh, like I'm, uh, I'm really terrible in the mornings. Um, so, so you're I have, like me, I have, you're a night owl like me, right? Yeah. So I will, so I basically prepare once a week, which is on a Thursday afternoon, which mm-hmm. is when I do my, my sort of big weekly review. Yep. And also that's the time where I would do a lot of the kind of admin preparedness. So for example, I'm literally, uh, after I finish talking to you, I'm about to go travel three hours uh, through the evening here. And then I'm doing a client gig tomorrow. Uh, up in Birmingham, uh, which as uh, if you, if you don't know is is where my football team Aston Villa is based. It's the soul of the universe. Uh, but yeah, so I I will I will print all that stuff the Thursday before because I want to just batch it and do it all in one go. Um, and then in the morning I can't function without a checklist. So I basically have a little checklist that that just takes me through a few steps and it's kind of how's my energy and what else is on there, uh, uh, what's in my calendar for the day and what dependencies do I have around tasks. And then I, I try and schedule one big rock for the morning and one big rock for the afternoon. So that's mm-hmm. kind of my little sort of list of, of stuff that I go through in the morning. And like, I know, like if I haven't done that, if, if the day starts with, so for example, tomorrow, I won't start by doing that because I'm doing this client thing and it's, it's starting quite early. I know the rest of the day will be a bit weird because yeah. I'm not because I haven't done that. Which is so why, which is why you'll, you'll, like, you'll need to get headspace. <laughs> yeah, and I, for, yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, that's as critical. The, the daily review part yeah. is as critical as the weekly review for me totally and it's i think the the weekly review is important in terms of taking that more strategic level but like the the daily thing and also part of that daily conversation with myself i always sound schizophrenic when i say this but like i think you have to have that conversation with yourself of like what is my intention for the day Mm -hmm. and what does success look like today because i think otherwise there's always going to be another hundred things on your list 
And so for me, like a big part of productivity is kind of being comfortable with the stuff that you don't get done and being comfortable with like what's what's still on the list at the end of it. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the bottom line is, is, is again, if you when you when you prepare daily, uh, then when you go to the weekly, you won't have to course correct as much because you wouldn't yeah. have veered so far off course. We're going to wrap up now. Number nine, by the way, is productivity and ninja is not a superhero, but it often appears that they are. And this is very true because if you do all those other eight steps, then you're definitely going to look like you're, you're, you're ahead of the game and you're on top of things. Uh, Graham, thanks so much for joining me this week on the Productivities Podcast. Where can people find you and your work online? Yeah, sure. So the book is How to Be a Productivity Ninja. Um, so you'll find that on Amazon and everywhere else. And then the company is called Think Productive. So uh, we run uh, workshops for businesses. So you'll find us at thinkproductive.com, thinkproductive.co.uk and various other domains like that. And you're on the Twitter too, I think, aren't you? Yeah, so just at, at thinkproductive and at Graham Alcott on Twitter. Gotcha. Thanks so much for joining me, Graham. Appreciate it. We'll have to have you Thank back you. on. Thank you. Pleasure. Thanks again to Graham for joining me this week on the show. Uh, thanks to John Polster for producing this week's episode and all the episodes that we've had over the past several months. And thanks to all of you for listening. We are going to have Graham back on the show. And the reason is because he has so much more that he wants to talk about. We want to dive more into that ninth characteristic, which we didn't have time to do. But what we did have time to do was stuff that you didn't get to hear uh, because Patreon supporters got to hear some stuff that we talked off right off the top. We talked about, uh, you know, what he defines productivity as. We talked about a whole bunch of other things, about 11 minutes worth of content that you get as a Patreon supporter. So if you're interested, head over to patreon.com slash productivityist. There are perk levels from level one, $1, all the way up to the $100 level. And uh, I hope you'll join us there. There's an active Slack community exclusive only to Patreon supporters. There's lots going on there. And uh, I hope you will join us there. If not, that's cool. I love the fact you're listening. I'd love to get a rating or review in iTunes or the podcast aggregator of your choice. We've got a lot of more cool episodes, a lot of more, a lot of more cool episodes coming up as well as what you've heard in the archives. A lot of great episodes and I can, I'm looking forward to bringing more to you each and every week. That's it for this week's episode. I will get rid of uh, my, hopefully my sinus cold will be gone by the time I'm back next week. But until Next time, I am Mike Vardy, the host of the Productivityist podcast, as well as founder of Productivityist and Productivity Strategist, reminding you, wait, 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 I'm not done yet. <laughs> I also want to thank our sponsor, Transpose, this week. Head over to productivityist.com slash transpose, and you can check out what they have to offer. They're a really valuable tool. You heard me talk about them earlier in the show, and I've talked about them for several weeks. Big, big thanks to them for sponsoring the show. I couldn't lend, leave, rather. I couldn't leave the show without without rem remembering to uh, to thank them. So, again, a false ending is now no longer a false ending. We're going to wrap this thing up now. Uh, again, thanks for joining me this week. And remember, keep moving things forward. Forward.